0: you have to make sure that your list is healthy like when you're sending to a bulk email to every single subscriber on your email list in the long term that makes like harms your email list health you just have to be sending to your most engaged subscribers and i know it sounds counterintuitive but if you do that you're going to make more money in the long term
1: Alex Gregoriades. It is good to have you here on Ecomonics. What's new with you? What's going on today?
0: Uh, Hi, Joseph. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. And yeah, I mean, doing some new things in 2022, like everyone with our new goals, trying as much as I can to, you know, come up with something new for business owners, e store owners, I Mm can help them even more out, you know, in 2022.
1: Actually, yeah, I, you know, I've, a couple of conversations I've had lately uh, have been about. Um, people, you know, putting uh, information together. Like one of the previous guests we had was about dropshipping.com. And I know dropshipping is not the nature of the conversation today, but, you know, you have this one conversation about is dropshipping even viable? And then you have this whole other conversation about, of course it's viable and we've collected this, created all this information. So it's exciting to see that I think I from my outsiders' perspective, I think e-commerce has dealt with some of its early growing pains. And it's really starting to be about centralizing information and you know moving the, the conversation forward. So I'm excited to see what we what we can accomplish today. Open a question to you, uh, um, my good sir, is tell us what do you do? What are you up to these days?
0: Yeah, so I am an email list manager and deliverability expert. Basically, what I do is I'm a one-man, let's say, department. So I take care of an email list just to turn it around and basically pull up, you know, scale uh email lists to a position where they're making like from 2x to 4x what they were previously doing. And yeah, that involves like getting creative with the email copy, standing out as a as a brand. With all of, you know, the overcrowded inboxes that everyone has, making strategic changes in the flows, and also like getting out of promotions, tab
1: and spam, and hitting your subscribers <laughs> inbox. So you know, I was wondering when I was when I was going to uh, uh, bring this up, but I guess we'll just we'll just talk about it now because you know, just for the fun of it. So I you know, I have a couple of emails that I have to look at. I look at the webinar email. I look at my own you know Joseph Ayani at the Beautify email, and then like the twelve that I have you know, not related to this company. Um, but I also look at the podcast email and, uh, and we, and we got a, an, an opening email from you and the first email didn't show up in our spam filter. And I replied to you and that was all fine. It was the replies that started showing up in the spam filter. So I'm like, Oh, well, I guess that, that fell. I must be busy. Well, I guess we'll hear from him someday, dude, dude, going back to typing <laughs> things. But then like, like wait a minute, what's going on? Like and then and then it was my my producer who noticed. By the way, Joseph, you haven't responded to that guy in like six weeks. I wait wait a minute, what? So th- despite the fact that email has been around for like I'd say like 15, 20 years, probably longer than that, it still seems to encounter some technical issues. What are some of the issues that you know you you run into, and if possible, what kind of solutions have you been able to uh, drum up in response to them? Yeah,
0: it's 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 interesting, you know, because like it happens for new domains. So that, that was a new domain I purchased like in a week and being like, you know, so busy with my client work, I didn't even care about my own things. I just wanted to work on my client's things Mm -hmm. and I neglected you know, the technical aspects of, you know, setting everything up so you can not hit spam. And again, that will happen for a new domain. So yeah, what I did is I started uh, warming up my inbox. That's what everyone should do with a new domain. And not only that, like, for example, if you're looking to move from MailChimp to Klaviyo, let's say, that's another thing you have to do as well. So I started warming up my inbox through, uh, you know, an automated software. And then I set up all the technical things on, you know, in the domain, like DM, you know, DMARC, SPF, TKIM. Just so I'm, you know, I say to Google, you know, um, I'm not a fishy spammy guy. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to send like normal emails to people. So yeah, hopefully that will, that made a, a huge
1: change. It is funny to think about the parallel between, you know, starting up a new business versus starting up a new email and that there are, you know, legitimacy concerns, you know, a, a customer might be reluctant to uh, purchase or make a purchase on a, on a website. They look at the established rate, uh, established. Tuesday of last week. And you think, yeah, that, I don't know about that one. Maybe, maybe I'll wait, you know, six years before that business really takes off, says everybody. And so, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of those starting challenges across the board, right? It's not just email dealing with interesting to see it on a more micro level that even in a particular inbox has to overcome some of the technical limitations just to prove its own um, legitimacy. I also was wondering about, so you said that you're a uh, deliverability expert. And what I was wondering about is, is deliverability one of multiple characteristics that go into making good email? I'm just trying to think of like what other terms there might be, like deliverability. I don't know, readability. Like that's just something that comes to my mind. Are there, if, if somebody else was a different email expert, what other areas could they specialize in?
0: Yeah, of course. So like, for example, there's email copy, like, you know. Um, writing good subject lines that will get opened and also like the body copy. So, you know, sharing some interesting stuff that people are, you know, interested in reading right on the typical, you know, uh, discount emails where people at some point might get fed up with it's, it's human nature. I mean, if you look at the same thing over and over again, then at some point you get bored. So it's about mixing things up, you know, making your brand look interesting and also strategic things like, you know, email marketers come up with, you know, some creative ways of doing like, let's say, promotions on a holiday. For example, our recent one was Christmas. And then what it was the big one, Black Friday, you have to make sure that your list is healthy. Like there's this, how can I say, like it's counterintuitive. Like when you're sending to a bulk email to every single subscriber on your email list in the long term that makes like like harms your email list health Mm -hmm. so i mean you just have to be sending to your most engaged subscribers and i know it sounds counterintuitive but if you do that you're going to make more money in the long term so you're going to get more sales just because uh, at some point unfortunately you're going to lose some subscribers on your email list. Some people just don't like getting emails from you. they just, you don't have to worry about those people. And you just keep sending to people that are, you know, they are your loyal fans. They just enjoy your emails and they keep buying from you. And that's how you get like repetitive customers. And you don't have to worry about, you know, spending money on ads and everything, so. It all like works like a machine, so there are different components going into email, of course, there are different like areas you can't specialize in, but uh, they all work with each other. so
1: One thing that impressed me early on from some of the earlier content that I had made for the program, you know some of the first email experts that I had talked to, it was impressive and encouraging that emailing is still a important aspect of business. And, you know, from what I've picked up over time, one of the main reasons for that is advertising just continues to get more expensive, more competitive. One of the things that I that I mentioned while I'm writing an introduction for another episode is that ads have to be looked at as an investment rather than a cost. It's not an incidental thing that you have to pay, you know, like keeping the lights on. Even that can be argued as an investment. There are other things that we need to do now in order to even be sustainable, whether we're talking about influencer marketing or emailing, which is, you know, you don't get as much out of it. I think at the beginning of the funnel before customers are really warmed up to it, but I would love to hear your expertise on that. Um, but definitely towards the, the, the latter side, the remarketing. Providing content to people, you know, notifying of updates, new products, or just expanding on the brand, expanding on a, a term that I rarely use, but expanding on the mythology of the brand. If there's an ongoing story to it and people want to you know, continue to be engaged with the journey that the brand is going on, there's a lot that, that can be done there. And that's just my point. How would you describe the state of emailing these days? Like have main advantages and drawbacks. Um, have you noticed any, say, significant changes in what brands have to expect from emails? That's, I'd say, in the, the last year, a couple of years versus maybe the, the the beginnings of e-commerce, I would say, in the last five to six years. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of things have changed. I mean,
0: the most recent change was with iOS 15, where there was really this like, huge thing where business owners were very concerned about what's going to happen with, the, with their email list. Like, are we going to be able to send emails to mm-hmm. iPhone users? And as far as we know, like, there are a lot of them out there, a huge, iPhone has a huge, huge like market. So we needed to find a way around that. Luckily, clavio and all these ESPs were smart enough to, you know, uh, find a solution to this. So as you can see, like when some things change in the market, like. People have an answer to it, especially in email marketing. So of course, email marketing has become more competitive, more since like it's, there isn't that, you know, barrier, entry barrier for businesses to get into a market. Like mm-hmm. a kid in the basement can start its own business, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I've uh, talked to two kids <laughs> in the basement, so I'm not surprised.
0: So, I mean, you can imagine how many emails a person can get into in a day. So. It's all about standing out in your inbox, sounding like a normal person, being friendly, like talking to a friend, not trying to sell something. Because people are pretty much fed up with everything, like sales and so on. Like they're getting bombarded with sales emails every single day. So if you want to belong in that category, then that's fine. But if you want to like take your marketing and your business to the next level, then it's of course like, sounding like a friend, sharing personal things. Like you have to look at it like an email, like it's entertaining to people. Mm -hmm. So we have people enjoy entertainment. As you can see, almost every single one of us are subscribed to Netflix. So we, we enjoy Netflix, it's a big thing. And if you manage to come like an entertainer with your emails and it's gonna Create a huge positive imba- impact. So email hey, isn't that Yeah, uh, Go ahead. Oh, you know, no. I was just, just I
1: was just thinking about that. Like, I, I after all the times I've plugged Sleep, they've actually been pretty good, pretty good company to me. I, I was gonna mm-hmm. tell them, a, tell a story about how good of a company they can be, but then people are gonna take advantage of it. So never mind. Let's just say they, they've really impressed me. And with their, with their emailing, they have. I guess it's, it's like a, it's like a magazine. They call it the Sleepscape, and you know, you can tell that the brand really. Gives a damn about their subject matter because they're showing research uh, on sleep, trying to improve. They're, 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 they provide so many solutions to the point where people might not even need the masks, but they want it anyways to continue to enhance the the ability to have good quality sleep. And that's the 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 kind of emailing that I really appreciate. And what I uh, think is interesting, and I didn't actually to think about this until we started talking, I suppose it's possible to tell. Where you want to go with your with developing your brand based off the engagement that um, that people have. Like if they were to, they have like 90 issues so far, and they notice a lot of people really got into reading issue 72, which discusses um, this particular component. Maybe there's something in there. Maybe there's some product research that we can uh, we can use from that. From from your experience, have you have you seen that? Uh, actually take place where the way customers are responding to emails, fans are responding to emails has guided or influenced where the brand should take their products next.
0: Yeah, of course, like this is something I always recommend to brands as soon as I start working with them. is like we send what I call a reply email where it's basically asking them a question, and getting feedback, and that will allow like us to get some research finding out what our customers need if they have any concerns or anything and that will also help you know the brand putting content on social media and also it will help us create some you know emails that people are actually going to read and are interested in since it's it speaks to that problem so when you're always like when you're sharing valuable things and giving tips to people that they appreciate and they learn something out of it and they get value, you, then you look like a trustworthy brand and people are going to trust you even more and they'll see you as the best solution out there to get, you know, buy a product from you. So yeah, it always helps.
1: And I also think too, this is just a sub note um, before I, I follow up on my on my next question here. Let's say that they either want to do product research or they want to stay on top of what's going on in the sleep improvement industry. They're getting additional value out of that work because that research is still helping them. It's helping them develop their products, helping them know what's going on. And then they just say, wait a minute, we just send our findings into an email to others and get some additional value out of it maybe hide a, a discount in there once in a while. So people are more inclined to, to to read it. So I think one of the things that you can really justify with emailing is to enhance the value of anything else that somebody is doing. If there's updates to, to your brand, to your company, things are changing. Uh, I don't know, a new CEO, whatever it is, everything that you can do can be enhanced and additional value can be extracted out of it. If you also send it in an email.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, people will appreciate when you're sending like personal things that are happening in a company, especially when you're sharing like behind the scene things that people won't see from other brands. So, I mean, we've seen it time and time again with TikTok videos where, you know, people are sharing personal things that are happening behind, let's say the curtain. So, Mm -hmm. and they get tons of engagement. So yeah, always like when you're sharing these things with your subscribers, it will help you also like uh, optimize your product that you're selling because like if there's a flaw that you don't know about and you believe that everything is perfect let's say but there's one thing the little thing that you know a user has brought up with you know after using it then yeah you're going to find it out with probably sending an email out to that customer and getting his feedback or her feedback so Email is a two way communication and it's super personal. So never, ever neglect neglected. It. It's it's super helpful for your brand mm-hmm. to,
1: to scale it. That leads me to a technical question. So building up an example, first, let's say that somebody is receiving emails and I'll try not to use sleep, man to sleep for this one, but let's say somebody has, is, you know, they're, they're using a piece of software. So that not only are they receiving technical updates, but they're also receiving you know brand updates, uh, information. Maybe a a magazine, like I uh, mentioned earlier, or the equivalent of one anyways. And somebody might be compelled to respond to to those emails. So on the receiving end, what's the best way to handle um, customers who are sending emails or responses to addresses that maybe aren't really designed for that? Like they're, they're, they're asking a customer support question, but it's not to, to the customer support email. Are there automatic redirects? Is does somebody have to manually forward it to the correct e- email? So what are some ways that people handle this technical side?
0: Yeah, that's a good question actually. Yeah. I mean, in Clavio, like, um, you can set up, uh, where can people reply to? So you might be sending from, let's say support at your and you can. You know, uh, say that people can reply to maybe help at your domain.com. so that way the emails are getting into your customer support team uh, the other thing you can do is have a clear call to action so uh, underneath the email you can say like uh, reach out to the specific email address that people can send an email to to handle any you know questions, concerns, feedback. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pr- pretty simple thing. You just have to always like guide people to the right direction. So the more specific you are in your email, and it's going to be easier for people to take the appropriate action.
1: I agree with that. I mean, I think certain emails, they do warrant having the no reply in the subject. If somebody understands this is an automatic email. Don't reply to this. And then they try anyways, because, you know. Um, we're doomed as a species. But, anyways, other than that, having that call to action there, I think is a is a, is a good act is a good choice. Assuming that somebody reads it thoroughly and they say, "Oh, okay, well, I, I didn't realize there even was an email address I can I can reach out to." Let's go, let's go check that out. So that makes sense. So I'm going back a, a, a little bit here because one of the things that you talk about as well is when people are you know reaching out on behalf of a company it's important for it to be personal to have that genuine connection between us the company and the consumer and the fan. I'm trying to condition myself to say fan, because I think that's a better way of looking at it. The issue I think though, is as the business scales up, it might be more difficult to retain that humanity. You know, it's one thing for like a one person operation to personally send out emails and, 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 and thank um, their, their, their first wave of fans, but then you scaled up and now you have 10,000 fans on the email list. And it's, I don't know, it seems like it's more difficult to, to maintain that because now it's an email sent to 10,000 people as opposed to you know a, a couple of hundred. So A, is this a problem? B, have you seen um, ways that people are able to keep that connection going, keep things genuine regardless of how high up they end up scaling?
0: That's a good question. Uh, okay. It's not that much of a problem, actually. You just have to keep in mind that, yes, you're sending a bulk email to let's say 10,000 people. But when you're writing that email, just imagine to yourself that you're writing to one specific person, that way you're speaking. Like when a person receives that email, um, they're going to see like, and read it. And they feel that you're personal, personally sending an email to them. And also like, it's a way of creating like content that sounds personal. So. As a business, you know, an e-commerce store owner can, let's say, send an email out from his or her own uh, personal name instead of the brand's name. That's another touch that it makes emails more personal. Sharing like a reason why you started this this brand is a very good email. You can include in your new customer sequence or your... uh, New subscriber sequence because people are interested in these kind of things. Like they want to listen to why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, is it just for you to make more money? That's what that's what most people have in mind. So when you share your mission, when you share like the reason why you're doing this and why you generally want to help people out, then people resonate with it. Uh, They get to know you and. builds brand loyalty so like when you're sending daily campaigns you can share like personal things where again it relates to that product you're using maybe it was uh, a friend of yours that was using the same product and he experienced the xyz results after using it or maybe another customer testimonial or something you're sharing these things and sounding like personal sharing personal stories and. It's not a problem when you're scaling, and it will resonate even more with your audience.
1: Well, I think this would be a good time to maybe um, inquire about some case studies. Um, uh, if, if there's any particular stories, I mean, I, as always, I respect you know um, client uh, confidentiality, so you know, we never want to cross any lines here. But um, I'd, I'd love to hear about any particular cases that stick out in your mind as to how you're able to, you know, enhance and scale up the um, the, the results. Yeah,
0: of course, uh, I can share like a few examples of some recent, uh, brands I worked with, mm-hmm. uh, for example, there was this brand where it was, they were in a bad place with their email list. Revenue was going down month after month, open rates were going uh, lower and lower and so were the clicks. And when they reached out to me, they believed that there's no turnaround that they're, they lost hope, that, let's say. So I just reassured them that everything is going to be okay and we're going to work with this on this and we're going to turn this around. Um, at that time, they were having like maybe close to 8% open rates and I would say 0.3 clicks. Revenue was about 7K a month, uh, email revenue. They were doing like pretty much okay on the Part of you know the front end aspect of the business, like ads and uh, selling products in there, but uh, the email list wasn't producing as much, and uh, the emails were hitting spam like every single time. So I started working with them. We made like some strategic changes with the with the campaigns. The, I got rid of the spam problem after some time. I would say in about a week or so. We, uh, we, can we, can
1: we expand on that for a second. Um, what
0: it was oh, like, yeah. uh, specifically what you had to do about the spam problem. Since there was a spam problem, uh, I aimed for at least a 20% open rate. So, what I did is I I segmented the list based on engagement. So, I only sent to people that are open in the last 30 days just to get like the open rates at least 20%. And improve their domain's reputation with Gmail and all those companies, Yahoo and stuff. And I fixed some technical things in their domain, uh, some Dmap records they needed. And I also like uh, used a uh, software that uh increases engagement, like as a before, the warm up inboxing. And yeah, I mean, as soon as you get more engagement with your emails, for example, like it's the same with social media, like we know Facebook loves engagement. So everyone who likes comments, shares your post, then it gets even more engagement. And it just, uh, it works with the algorithm there. And it's the same with the Gmail's algorithm. Let's say they want to see like if your emails are getting engagement. so. They track this with the open rates and the clicks and replies. Uh, maybe some, you know, like let's say people aren't reporting or email as spam. They're not flagging it. They're not like moving in it to spam folders, etc. So that's how they track engagement. So we want to track positive, you know, scale like was positive engagement so that's what i did in terms of the spam problem and it got better over time and yeah after that i just uh, sent some emails that will get even more positive engagement it will help people you know start opening the emails time after time so it's not just like a subscriber or a fan as you say that opens an email and then they stop opening it and they will reopen an email after a month or so. So I wanted to make sure that people are consistently opening the emails and they're they're buying stuff. And yeah, then I optimize the flows because one trend I noticed with a lot of e-commerce stores is that their flows aren't optimized. So for example, in an abandoned cart sequence, they might have like two emails. But uh, if you want to get like maximize your cut recoveries. You want to have at least five emails in there. So, and you can also like, if you're open to this, you can also mix like SMS in there, SMS marketing. So send a couple SMSs. Yeah. And also like in the new customer sequence, uh, as I said before, I shared like the brand story, why the, the owner decided to do what he's doing, his mission, what he wants to achieve. And you know, it also helps with uh, upselling. So I tried upselling people in the flows and there's another flow I, I like to use. It's called a VIP flow. So this is when customers mm-hmm. buy from you more than once. So as you say, as I, as the flow indicates, it's a VIP flow because you want to treat these people as your VIP customers. So here's want to make them feel special, I mean they're all, they're your best customers, they're they're they are your loyal fans, so you want to treat them differently. Yeah, that's what I did. Like it's not it's not complicated. as it sounds, it's it's fairly simple. So after you know 45 days we managed to forex the Arimo revenue, so they went from 7k to 28k in just 45 days with these
1: changes. So I think one thing that impresses me about that, and you know it's a it's a pretty common refrain as far as what I um, I like to speak about on the program. I, as much as I thought that success in e-commerce is largely a technical thing, and obviously there is a great deal of technicality to it. There is still the importance of conveying the, the message of the brand and, and and creating more of a genuine connection. And it sounds like that had a real uh, impact with this case study and that talking about more of the brand's um, uh, history and its mission, um, got through to people. In a situation like this, I inclined to ask about if in your perspective, you've seen brands get away with the opposite, where if being guarded and being more mysterious about their their brand has actually um, benefited them in some way. Like I think like certain high ticket brands, maybe they've they, they found a way to create, by creating questions, by creating curiosity and intrigue that can uh, connect people to the brand in a different way. I'm just wondering if you've seen anything like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, with high ticket things, there's always like this mysterious thing going on, like in terms of, you know, not sharing much about the offer. So let's say people will only find out certain things when they buy. So mm-hmm. after they buy, they will learn like what exactly this product is about. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go that route, it's it maybe where it might work out, but. In my experience it's always like in this day and age where you want to build like a personal relationship with people like just imagine for a second like you're treating your email list like your partner so will you keep like these all these secrets and curious things and all these things going on with your partner I, I don't mm-hmm. think so
1: no, no exactly to, yeah no, it's, it's an interesting analogy because if you go back to like the begin like beginnings of dating, you know, when two people are just getting to know each other, uh, there is a, a a concern to like overshare right away, and like yeah, so here are, here were all the, the the teachers that traumatized me when I was a kid. Like, you know, there's certain things that you know you maybe don't talk about on the first date. So I think there is an interesting parallel there to like, you know, what are you willing to share? What are like the main uh, tenets or, or, or main aspects of a, of a person's character, and then. Like with dating, uh, this is a whole. This is very fascinating. Is six dates in, or you know, being together after a year, a couple of years, you don't want there to be like some reveal of a person's personality is way different than the personality they can date. So I think there's an interesting uh, through line there. But that's just sorry, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, it it just got, we just got my synapses flaring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. That's that's fine. Yeah, it's. I mean, with emails. I guess you can start sharing even more stuff when there's this relationship going on. I mean, after someone swipes their card and they become a customer of yours and maybe they are where you start yeah. sharing even more things and yeah, that, that, that might make sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that that would have been a pretty <laughs> successful date. Yeah, somebody was going to. Yeah, uh, no, no need to get into the the details of that. All right, uh, I'm going to uh, shift to a couple of other technical questions, going back and forth between technical and the philosophical. It's what I like to do. So, one of them is just real quick. Like in terms of software, um, what what software are you are you using, and are you getting cl- uh, your clients to to commonly use? Yeah,
0: so uh, I can share a few one i commonly use is to clean the list when i see sometimes like a a huge bounce rate which is a huge bounce a bounce rate will be like anything above 0.2 percent so i use uh, this tool called neverbounce.com when you go in there and they will clean they will tell you if your list has a problem or not if it needs cleaning and they will be like totally transparent with you so i just import the list in there. They will tell me if it needs cleaning and then it will remove all the bounce, uh, the email that comes bounces. To find out about any deliverability issues with the emails, I run a test to mailgenius.com. It's another like great tool that uh, you can tell. It sh- shows you exactly what's going on with your emails and what type of problems you're having. Another interesting one I use when you're, let's say, If you see a decline in your open rates, and maybe you suspect that there's a spam problem going on, I would suggest you uh, send a test email to your own uh, personal email address, and then you can find out if if you're having a spam problem or where where your email lands. So uh, yeah, you can use mailworm.com. It's another tool I use to uh, increase positive engagement and it gets you out of spam much quicker. What else do I use? I also like Lockups. It's another paid tool that basically you just, you can run a test every now and then. You just basically import their own. They have a, around 70 of their own emails and you send a test email to these uh, email addresses. And it has like a mix of you know Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, Outlook, and it will tell you like where your email was landed. Uh, oh, wow. That's pretty the clever. List. Then
1: that way you can tell if like one inbox is problematic, but the others are okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can tell uh, that's um, all, all those details. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually that was um uh, well, well enough. That was one of the other questions that I had chambered, which is like, <laughs> do you notice any difference in consumer behavior? This is I don't think this is a fair question, but whatever. Uh, do you notice any differences in consumer behavior between like, people who use yahoo or people who use gmail or people who use outlook i still i mean i'm technically an outlook user as like my primary email address um but that's just because i've had my hotmail address for decades at this point and i don't feel like stopping um so there's a personality quirk for you but like a, 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 any 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 tidbits uh, along those lines uh, crop up as you notice between the different email addresses or different email uh, services I mean
0: there isn't that much of a you know consum consumer behavior going on with these email addresses maybe like um hotmail users are more like maybe how do you call them like more business style style of people that you know they yeah, I'll take typically, it. <laughs> yeah I'll take they it. might typically use these kind of email addresses, but then like it's more. It's not more about the consumer behavior. It's more about these specific type of inboxes because they all differ from each other. So, I mean, if you want to look at it as as a market share, the biggest percentage of emails are on Gmail. I've noticed that with Hotmail, Outlook, and Yahoo, it's even it's more difficult to inbox your emails on these platforms. So, these these platforms are more difficult. They easily like uh mark your emails as spam and it might be for no reason at all. It's just like they, hide, they have these huge barriers of you know your emails hitting inbox. So
1: right. Yeah, yeah and you know it's an, an overprotective spam filter does more damage than good because I remember I I received an email from a friend with whom we hadn't been in touch for a while. And I was just checking my junk mail on a whim. Like I didn't Really, it was. I don't know. I must have been bored that day or something. Uh, but it's, you know, they said, Hey, I know we haven't talked in a while, but, you know, one of our mutual friends, he's been going through a rough patch. He's on suicide so watch. I'm like, Whoa, that's not something to be in junk mail. That's mail. That's mail. <laughs> so, and then you end know, up, uh, uh, I got back in touch and, and expanded on from there. So, like, if the spam filter is overprotective, I'm just going to have to go through my junk mail, anyways, because I don't. Uh, there might be something important that got that got lost in there. So you know, there there is a balance between between them, and and I think the best uh, option is like, let the the user just decide. You know, it, it, I get this email. This is clearly junk. I mark it as junk. This is phishing. I mark it as phishing. And over time, you know, teach the inbox what to look out for and what not to look out for, rather than have it decide for me. Like. You know how many um, it, uh, uh, Ponzi schemes do I normally want to look at on a week-to-week basis?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what you mean. It's like it's like the same thing with overproductive parents. So it's sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know.
1: yeah. And it just leads to rebellious <laughs> behavior. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I understand that these companies want to protect their subscribers, but I mean, at some point when they're getting overprotective, then it, it will get into more problems. So yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. So here's my next uh, technical question for you. Cause I'm like deathly curious about this one. So what behavior metrics do you get to track? I know we've talked about it so far, but I just want to like um, really nail, nail this down. So, you know, you can tell who opens emails. Can you tell uh, how long they spend reading it? Like, do you have the same kind of flexibility that people Get for their own website so they can tell how long people. Spend. I mean, there's heat maps for 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 e-commerce stores people can see like where mouses hover over the most. So that's pretty pretty substantial uh, material uh, resources people have for it. So like, what ex- what behaviors can you really track on, the, on 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 emailing?
0: Yeah, that's it. That's a great question. I've heard <laughs> it again from someone else. Actually, I've haven't come across like such a tool that will track how long a person is on an email reading it or. Uh, until which point they were hovering Mm. but just focus on your clicks so if you're if the person has clicked then definitely uh probably like the subscriber read most of the email i just want to keep a good look at the open rates and the clicks so i know that people are interested in what i'm sending them to like it's one thing to open like because as we know like It's the same with YouTube videos. They might have, you know, this clickbaity title and you want to click and watch it, but yeah, then you just end up not watching it at all. So with emails, you want to, yes, you want to make a subject line that's interesting and make them curious to open and have some sort of benefit in it. But you want to make sure that people are interested in reading as well. So, yeah. So one thing I've noticed when you're, congruent with your subject line and the click is also something similar to the subject line, then it will drive positive like clicks. And yeah, I mean, we can also track like people who are on the site, like how many people were on that specific Shopify, let's say landing page or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's basically what, what we focus on.
1: So my question was: Is there an equivalent to SEO in emails? Like, is there a way to tell a certain terminology is is performing higher, or is it really just like it really is about the clicks? And then once you're reading the email, the the context or the or the choice of words is. I'll just back up for a second because when writing, say, blog posts on you know, uh, on the internet, or even the conversations that we have sometimes about like what kind of questions that we want to ask on the show, is that we're always thinking about SEO. Just because we want to make sure that it ranks as high as possible. Is there an equivalent to that, or is SEO not really a concern in the email space? It's not that much of a concern,
0: but you want to make sure that you've done your research before writing an email. So you're using like uh, the language that you know your subscribers want to read. So when you're like you know you're using the same language with them, then they can. It's more easier for them to read. Uh, it speaks to them, and you just another important aspect of emails is to split test so maybe you make a split test with the words in the subject line and you find out what your subscribers are interested more in reading so the next time if you're sending like a similar email or using a similar subject line then you're going to use the winner of the previous email so it's all about you know split testing things and finding out what your audience wants to hear and
1: read mm. Do you integrate uh, surveys into this to help you know get your answers directly from the consumers and the fans oh yeah i mean at some
0: point in a new customer like flow i would ask them for feedback after they get the product so after using it i will uh, ask them like can you leave us a review on Shopify or even like they can, you can create like a Google form with some questions and people can answer a few questions there. And just for a reward, let's say you can give them like a specific discount or whatever you are more easier with giving away. So that will make them, you know, leave their feedback. So yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like 5% discount for 10 minutes every time, something along those lines, just to, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just to sweeten the deal for them. And on that, and on that subject, uh, I know discounts is one thing we wanted to make sure that we brought up because it's kind of a sticking point. Um, We don't want to be like with dating, like we don't want to be like over generous, but um, we also don't want to, I'm careful with like how I relate that to dating because things can get pretty dark pretty quick. So anyways, <laughs> Uh, in in the in the discount realm, what have you found to be the typical or the ideal times, as well as values too? Like if ten percent tends to perform uh, uh, well enough, and you don't notice that fifteen to twenty percent is worth the additional cost or anything along those lines.
0: Yeah, so I mean, discounts you want to calculate them based on your profit margins for one business. Like Makes sense. maybe they they they're able to give like a 30% discount for us. some other businesses that will be like uh, a lot and they won't make like, they might even break even, let's say. So um, it depends on the business model. And of course, the more discount you get, the more like people will be more interested since they're, you know, let's say saving money. So you just have to be aware that there are other types of offers you can give like not only discounts, you can give like you know, I don't know free, free shipping um you can also give like get with this one thing and you'll get this other thing for free or another bonus or something so there's along those lines there are all these type of things or maybe if you want to be like more creative i've seen that some stores can for example say that um, if you buy these sort of products, then some percentage of that is going to go to a donation or something. So that's, that's some type of things I've seen. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, there's one of those, I, I, I'm i not 100% sure if you mentioned or not, so forgive me if you did, but I have also seen emails where there are products coming down the pipe and it's like they're in the, they're either they're in the prototype phase or it's the first hundred or a thousand of them that they're putting out. And it's a way to, Get those VIPs to have first dibs on some of the latest products, so they can be the early adopters as well. I think that's a, another one that, uh, that I've I've been the recipient of those kinds of emails for sure. So
0: oh yeah, for sure that absolutely works. Yeah, if you want to get also like research from your products and you want to see like what sort of feedback people are giving from using your product, then yeah,
1: definitely go ahead. Okay, so this this next one, um, it's it's the answer is important, but it's still kind of, a, uh, a, to me, it just comes across as a silly question, but let me, let me just um, make sure that it's um, even viable. Have you ever had to contact a, a CEO of a company or have one of your clients contact a CEO?
0: Personally, I had to contact some CEOs, but I had I never helped a client.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the helping a client was more like the the safety net in case you hadn't had to. I would rather ask your direct dealings with it. So, contacting a CEO is a tricky proposition because you know they're obviously they're, their time is pulled in a lot of different directions and is highly valuable. But they're also still human beings. Um, you have to maintain professional caliber. Uh, making the human side, you want to make sure that you provide a, you make a good, good first impression. How have you done it? How, like what's been in your approach to contacting the, uh, the head honchos of a company? Yeah, that's
0: an interesting one actually. Uh, Well, for example, for some businesses, I mean, I was already a customer, so I just said in my email that I love the product and stuff. And maybe I noticed like some issues with the email that I want to you know, give my feedback on and maybe suggest helping them. But when you're contacting CEOs, definitely like they're not people that are already on your list. They didn't raise their hand. So you wanna make sure that A, you're hitting their inbox because it might be a little bit tricky. And B, you wanna sound like you're a human being, not just like sending typical B2B emails and respecting their time. And also like, maybe I would say keeping their emails short. So just get straight to the point, since these people are, you know, they have these, all these things going on in their time. So if you respect their time, then it's easier for for you to get a response from them. Yeah.
1: Right. And I think I I don't know if this is a particular attack that works or not. Um, Thankfully, I've yet to have to email a CEO of a company. I had to, you know, uh, interview them for an hour, and that's um, uh, and 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 luckily for me, you know, I've got ten years of experience under my belt. Otherwise, I just I don't I mean wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, But that aside is. I suppose you can say, you know, make a few key points and then say, if you, if, you know, if you want to have, um, if you would like me to expand, or if maybe you want to meet for a conversation, I'd be happy to to do that for you. I don't know if that, if that's helpful to allude to being able to provide more information if they, so if they're so inclined.
0: Yeah. You just want to get like a positive reply from them. So maybe. Uh, just ask a question if they are open to having, let's say, a meeting. It's it's easier for them to, to just reply with a yes. And as soon as they do, you, just, you can even share like your own Calendly link, which makes things more easier and get them on a call. It's also important to follow up with these people because they get a bunch of emails each day and they might forget. So uh, make sure you're following up. You might have to... Mm-hmm. Uh personally, I had to follow up for four or five times until I get a CEO on a, a call. So yeah, definitely it helps. And yeah, you just just have to share like some things. Don't just sound like someone who's trying to get something from the deal from the beginning, just share something that they will make them feel a little bit special. Maybe yeah you like their product, you like their the whole marketing they're doing, or maybe something about you know their brand or anything. And then you can't go into what's what's the email about. Maybe you want to get them on a call or anything. So yeah, just getting straight to the point helps.
1: Right. I, I agree with that I think if it came down to having to choose between a giver or a getter you might as well come across as a giver first and then, you know, and, and as time goes on, you'll um, create, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll create value for yourself. But, and, and I think also psychologically being able to give is a reward in of itself, What you learn in the process or even having that contact, that connection can, can manifest later down the line. It comes to fruition. So I, I think that's the, that's the right approach for sure.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, anything, even if you want to share like some valuable things, for example, once with the CEO, as like this huge company, I recorded like a short Loom video where I showed like, what's what's going on, some issues with that email list and that, and I was sharing these things for free. I mean, I didn't ask anything in return. So mm-hmm. yeah,
1: things like that always, always help. Right, right, right. And I, and, and I maintain as well as that. You know, if you can receive the time of somebody else, that in and of itself is uh, a is an amazing payoff. Like, you know, I can't go a single episode to and not be meta about it to save my life. But the you know the fact that like I've got, been able to talk to so many people, you know, meet them, make contact with them, do what I do for the show, but also, hey, you know, we we're still human beings now. I know all of these people, and it's a, and it's a tremendous blessing and a tremendous gift that I, you know, I'd like to mention. Anyways, um, we've, uh, we've basically hit an hour. I got to say this episode has been jam-packed with, uh, with great insights. So, you know, I'm really, I, I've, (laughs) I wrote down on the fly nearly as many questions as I had come into prepared with. So there's, there's definitely a lot to talk about, but I just want to, I just want to wrap this up. I do want to get a little bit of your backstory before we, we let it go. So, um, what I'd like to know is like, you know, was emailing always your, your thing? Did you, what was your entry point into, you know, the, the broader e-commerce space? What were you up to prior to?
0: Yeah. It's my story is a little bit interesting. I worked in a corporate job as a web designer. That's what I had a bachelor's degree in and I just, I, I didn't feel, fell in love with it. I just, I wanted something else and after some time, I started my own, let's say business where I was selling some you know, men's care products, but that didn't work out because I didn't have the sales and the marketing skills. So mm-hmm. as soon as I failed, I decided that, Hey, you know, maybe you have to learn some marketing. So I went online, came across some YouTube videos, and then I came across copywriting, which. I never knew it existed and I never knew it was a thing. So I, I, I liked it a lot. And then I started working with, you know, I learned all the things of course. And then I started working with some agencies. Uh, the first ever agency I was working with in Florida was, I was writing Facebook ads and yeah, I liked it, but I mean, I didn't enjoy Facebook that much personally, because like, You don't have the control as you want to have. Like many things can go wrong with Facebook. One day you're running like profitable ads and the next day they shut you down. So I came across emails and that was something I was really interested in. And yeah, after that, I was working with a number of businesses, but as soon as I got like, I was working with an e-commerce business it felt more natural for me to write these sort of emails and I was able to generate like quick results for them. So I thought that, yeah, maybe this is a niche that I, I like, and not only I like, but also like it's more natural for me and easier to create results for clients, so.
1: That was the word that I was, I was, I was waiting for that because um, for my episode with uh, Madeline Mann, you know, I asked her about how do people find the right job? How do people find the right role? And she said, find what comes naturally to you. So to, to hear that—that's—that's the—it's—it's it's, it's great to hear that connection there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, I okay, I said that was my my wind down question, but I got one more that I'm uh, really keen on asking, and then I promise I'll let you go. This is more of like a, a predictive question, so you know, don't feel like you have to nail it. But um, what would you say are the are there any major developments or any major hurdles? Or any major changes that you either see coming predict coming or for for the for emailing or is there anything down the line that you feel is significant and worthy of note?
0: yeah, I mean, if I get my crystal ball here, mm-hmm. I would say um this is what also i <laughs> I heard too when I was attending an event from Clavio, so they said, and I also see this coming that it will be a little bit more difficult to. Uh, rely on the bread on the front end of the business. So yeah, as you said before, uh, cost of advertisement will go up, and yeah, that's there's always a way around that. But I mean, it's something that we have to face. It will be more difficult for people to you know get new customers as much as they're getting right now. So they will have to rely more on email just to. You know, instead of getting like a customer where a customer buys only once, then it will be make more, maybe more sense for you, for a business to, you know, get them buy twice or even more than that. So when you have like your own, when you build your own community with your email list, that's, that's what I think it will be a lot easier for having, let's say a sustainable business in the future, Mm -hmm. rather than having that mindset where you have to keep looking for new customers every single day. So focus more on your customers and you'll be able to, you know, have a sustainable business in the future
1: for sure. Excellent. I agree completely with that. So that I think makes perfect sense. Couldn't couldn't book a hole to save my life. So with that, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, wrap this up. Uh, like I said, this has just been chock full of uh, of great insights. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with our uh, with our audience. Um, my my closing closeout question to you: If you if there's like a Chinese proverb you like, or like you know one of those parting bits of wisdom, you're free to share it, and then let the audience know how they can make contact with you.
0: Actually, I have. I have an interesting one from, there's this, uh, let's say Chinese, Chinese. It was a Chinese general in the ancient times. You're talking about, uh, uh Sun, Tzu? Sun, Sun Tzu. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sun Tzu is like, um, one of the most legendary people of all time. in My humble, humble opinion. Yeah. So he says like, and this makes sense now, since we're
0: dealing with, you know, all these chaotic things in the world. In the midst of chaos, there's always an opportunity. So if people want to go and achieve a goal with their business or whatever, personal goal, and there's chaos, don't worry about it.
1: There's always an opportunity. So
0: go ahead and achieve achieve your dreams.
1: I think this is around like episode 150. And I think this is the first time we brought up Sun Tzu. And I'm... I'm disappointed with myself. He should have come up sooner than this. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Alex, uh, this has been a fantastic episode. Uh, I'm super grateful for your time, your knowledge, and your insight. Um, Door is always open. You know, give us a couple of quarters down the way, and we'll uh, we'll be happy to bring you back to my audience. It is an honor and a privilege to collect this information. store <laughs> stored for for further use. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if it's the chipmunks or the squirrels that put the food in their mouth and then the hibernate. Anyways... I'm. Am I using this for my own personal benefit? You better believe I am. But I also am honored to be able to share it with all of you as well. So thank you to all of you for your participation. Alex, one more thank you for the road. Everybody take care. We will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.